Incidental damages. Incidental damages refers to the type of legal damages that are reasonably associated with, or related to, actual damages. In American commercial law, incidental damages are a seller's commercially reasonable expenses incurred in stopping delivery or in transporting and caring for goods after a buyer's breach of contract, UCC SEC. 2-710, or a buyer's expenses reasonably incurred, for example, searching for and obtaining substitute goods. UCC SEC. 2-715-1. Consequential damages. Consequential damages, otherwise known as special damages, are damages that can be proven to have occurred because of the failure of one party to meet a contractual obligation, a breach of contract. From a legal standpoint, an enforceable contract is present when it is, expressed by a valid offer and acceptance, has adequate consideration, mutual assent, capacity, and legality. Consequential damages go beyond the contract itself and into the actions that arise from the failure to fulfill. The type of claim giving rise to the damages, such as whether it is a breach of contract action or tort claim, can affect the rules or calculations associated with a given type of damages. For example, consequential damages are a potential type of expectation damages that arise in contract law. When a contract is breached, the recognized remedy for an owner is recovery of damages that result directly from the breach, also known as compensatory damages. Damages may include the cost to repair or complete the work in accordance with the contract documents, or the value of lost or damaged work. In addition to the compensatory damage, an owner can also seek for consequential damages, sometimes referred to as indirect or special damages, which include loss of product and loss of profit or revenue. This may be recovered if it is determined such damages were reasonably foreseeable or within the contemplation of the parties at the time of contract formation. This is a factual determination that could lead to the contractor's liability for an enormous loss. For example, the cost to complete unfinished work on time may pale in comparison to the loss of operating revenue an owner might claim as a result of late completion. In order to seek consequential damages, a party who has suffered physical injury, property damage, or financial loss needs to perform a duty to mitigate damages, which means that they have an obligation to reduce or minimize the effect of any losses resulting from the injury. The degree of proof required for the consequential damages is also higher than for the direct damages. Consequential damages must also be pled with greater specificity. The plaintiff has it on their burden to prove that the damages occurred are not only the proximate consequence of the breach, but also that they were reasonably foreseeable or within the contemplation of the parties when the parties agreed to the terms of the contract. The logic for proving foreseeability is that a party who can foresee the consequences of a breach of a contract can modify the contract price accordingly to compensate for the risk that is assumed. Further, in order to recover damages caused by a breach, the non-breaching party must act reasonably and timely to mitigate its damages. The Supreme Court of the United States has held in United States v. 50 acres of land that consequential damages are not available in the U.S. federal takings. Example. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The provenance of the legal theory underlying consequential damages is widely attributed to the 19th century English case of Hadley v. Baxendale, in which a miller contracted for the purchase of a crankshaft for a steam engine at the mill. The party agreeing to produce the part, which was critical to the mill's operation and or output, agreed to deliver the part for inspection as to fit by a certain date in order to avoid contractual and other business loss or liability. When the part was not delivered for inspection on time, the miller sued to recover not only the direct costs that were incident to the alleged breach, but also to recover the costs or losses that were entailed with the production shutdown resulting from the failure to timely deliver the crankshaft. Thus, Baxendale came to stand for the proposition that consequential damages are recoverable where a contract is breached by a party that knows, or is imputed to know, that ordinary expectancy, reliance, or restitution damages will not suffice to meet damages caused by the breach. References Liquidated damages. Liquidated damages, also referred to as liquidated and ascertained damages, LADs, are damages whose amount the parties designate during the formation of a contract for the injured party to collect as compensation upon a specific breach, for example, late performance. This is most applicable where the damages are intangible, such as a failure by the contractor on a public project to fulfill minority business subcontracting quotas. An average of the likely costs which may be incurred in dealing with a breach may be used. Authority for the proposition that averaging is the appropriate approach may be taken from the case of English hop growers v. Daring, 1928. When damages are not predetermined or assessed in advance, then the amount recoverable is said to be at large, to be agreed or determined by a court or tribunal in the event of breach. The purpose of a liquidated damages clause is to increase certainty and avoid the legal costs of determining actual damages later if the contract is breached. Thus, they are most appropriate when, a, the parties can agree in advance on reasonable compensation for breach, but, b, the court would have a difficult time determining fair compensation at the time of breach. Under the common law, liquidated damages may not be set so high that they are penalty clauses rather than fair compensation. Common law. Generally, at common law, a liquidated damages clause will not be enforced if its purpose is to punish the party in breach rather than to compensate the injured party, in which case it is referred to as a penal or penalty clause. One reason for this is that the enforcement of the term would, in effect, require an equitable order of specific performance. However, courts sitting in equity will seek to achieve a fair result and will not enforce a term that will lead to the unjust enrichment of the enforcing party. For a liquidated damages clause to be upheld, two conditions must be met. The amount of the damages identified must roughly approximate the damages likely to fall upon the party seeking the benefit of the term as assessed at the time when the agreement of contract was entered into. The damages must be sufficiently uncertain at the time the contract is made that such a clause will likely save both parties the future difficulty of estimating damages. Damages that are sufficiently uncertain may be referred to as unliquidated damages, and may be so categorized because they are not mathematically calculable or are subject to a contingency. Contracts in the next three family use the term low service damages, optional clause X.17, and generally include a low service damages schedule. 
Contracts under common law require there to have been some attempt to create an equal or reasonably proportionate quota between the damages made and the actual loss. Parties must not lose sight of the principal compensation and they must keep the time of execution and the difficulty of the calculations in mind when drafting the contract. Example. Anna Abbott agrees to lease a storefront to Bob Benson, from which Benson intends to sell jewelry. If Abbott breaches the contract by refusing to lease the storefront at the appointed time, it will be difficult to determine what profits Benson will have lost because the success of newly created small businesses is highly uncertain. This, therefore, would be an appropriate circumstance for Benson to insist upon a liquidated damages clause in case Abbott fails to perform. The definition and scope extended. Uniform Commercial Code. In the United States, Section 2-718 one of the Uniform Commercial Code provides that, in contracts for the sale of goods, damages for breach by either party may be liquidated in the agreement but only at an amount which is reasonable in the light of the anticipated or actual harm caused by the breach, the difficulties of proof of loss, and the inconvenience or non-feasibility of otherwise obtaining an adequate remedy. A term fixing unreasonably large liquidated damages is void as a penalty. This largely mirrors the common law rule, which applies to other types of contracts under the law of most U.S. states. Case Law In the case of construction contracts, courts have occasionally refused to enforce liquidated damages provisions, choosing to follow the doctrine of concurrent delay when both parties have contributed to the overall delay of the project. In the 2015 case of Unat Oil Limited v. Leighton Offshore PTE Limited, a memorandum of understanding, MO, between the two parties detailed plans for Leighton to subcontract work to Unat Oil if they won a bid for a construction and engineering contract. The MO included an agreement on liquidated damages. The MO was amended on two occasions after it had been agreed, including an amendment to the amount to be paid to Unat Oil. The court found that although the liquidated damages clause may have been based on a genuine pre-estimate of loss at the time the MO was agreed, it had not been reviewed or amended at the times when the agreement was amended and therefore was unenforceable. The ruling means that when a contract is being amended, particularly if the amendment is relevant to the value of the contract, any liquidated damages clauses should be reviewed and amended if necessary. The law applied to bank and credit card charges. United Kingdom UK bank and credit card customers were being charged as much as £39 for a single transaction taking them over their credit limit. Consumers argued these charges were well beyond the cost of sending a computerized letter. In 2007 the Office of Fair Trading investigated the charges being imposed on customers of credit card companies. In its report, the OFT claimed these charges were unlawful under UK law as they amounted to a penalty. It said it would be prepared to investigate any charge over £12, though this was not intended to indicate that £12 is a fair and acceptable charge. The OFT said it would be up to a court to determine such an amount based on the established legal precedent that the only recoverable cost would be actual costs incurred. The credit card companies did not produce evidence of their actual costs to the OFT, instead insisting their charges are in line with clear policy and information provided to customers. Receipt of liquidated damages and intimately linked with the purpose of the profit-making apparatus is a capital receipt. The amount received by the assessee towards compensation for sterilization of the profit-earning source is not in the ordinary course of business. Hence, it is a capital receipt in the hands of the assessee. In 2009 the Supreme Court ruled that terms in bank account contracts were not capable of being penal, bar those applicable to NatWest Bank customers between 2001 and 2003. 
the court ruled that the charges were a charge for a service, and not a penalty for damages for breaching a contract term. Other legal systems. Civil law. Civil law systems generally impose less severe restrictions on liquidated damages. For example, Article 1226 of the French Civil Code provides for clause penal, a variant of liquidated damages which combines compensatory and coercive elements. Judges may adjust excessive contract penalties, but such clauses are not generally void as a matter of French law. Article 421 of the Civil Code of Japan provides an even firmer basis to uphold contractual penalties. The parties may agree on the amount of the liquidated damages with respect to the failure to perform the obligation. In such cases, the court may not increase or decrease the amount thereof. The liquidated damages shall not preclude the demand for performance or the exercise of the cancellation right. Any penalty is presumed to constitute liquidated damages. In the U.S. state of Louisiana, which follows a civil law system, liquidated damages are referred to as stipulated damages. Prior to January 1, 1985, Louisiana law used the term penal clause under former Article 2117 of the Civil Code. Stipulated damages create a secondary obligation for the purpose of enforcing the principal obligation. The aggrieved party may demand either the stipulated damages or performance of the principal obligation, but may not demand both except for delay. Stipulated damages may not be modified by the court and will therefore be enforced, unless they are so manifestly unreasonable as to be contrary to public policy.